want to welcome both everybody here in the worship center, but also those that will be listening by way of the internet this morning. Today is our sixth and final week in the series, The Mystery God. And we have been diligently seeking to know more about God, the Holy Spirit. And I will say again that the Holy Spirit is God's Holy Spirit, and He is the third member of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, so far, we have discussed our desperate need for the Holy Spirit in our lives personally and corporately and as a nation. Then we identified him as God's greatest gift to believers, and that's a twofold gift, if you remember. The gift of salvation, when we ask Christ to come in and forgive us of our sins, he removes the eternal penalty of sin, which is what? It's uh, eternity in hell. He removes that from us permanently. But the second great part of that believer's conversion is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in the hearts of men and women. So if you're a believer today, God's Spirit is in you. Thank you. Somebody feels them. Amen. I'm so excited about the Holy Spirit and and his, 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 his sensitivity to our needs. And listen, we identified him as the greatest gift to believers. And then we identified who he is. He is a he. He's not an it. He's not a ghost. He's the Holy Spirit of God. And we also talked about why he was sent to us. Because we need help. Amen? Yeah, we need help. We need his help. And then we talked about each of us rising to our highest potential. And that's, of course, through him living through us. Because he's omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. And he's omnipresent. means he's everywhere. And he's now in you. That's some potential. He is truly a know-it-all. Amen? There's just a bunch of us think we are. And then last week we identified in Scripture the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us upon salvation. Peter said, use whatever gift you've been given. Not if you've been given. You've been given a gift upon salvation. And to use that, and we talked about how we can use these to serve in the kingdom, building of the kingdom of God. And there's two main places to build the kingdom of God. One is in here. But it's not to stay in here, it's to get out there and make a difference. We talked about those gifts. Now today, we're going to look at the marks of a spirit-led believer. In practicing medicine, making the proper diagnosis should, and I use the word should, always be the goal. In other words, basically the way it's done is by considering all the symptoms that are being portrayed in your patient. And, and the symptoms outwardly represent the deeper problem or the, the illness or the sickness or the disease. Now, you can treat the symptoms and that will give some temporary care and that's called palliative care. In other words, palatable. It, 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 it eases the pain, but it doesn't cure the illness. So the symptoms are an outwardly display of an inward problem or situation. Now, my son and daughter-in-law just went up to New York and they went apple picking. And I can tell you what they knew when they got to the apple orchard that it was apple trees. Why? Because those trees had apples on them. 
just like our orange trees have oranges on them. You can tell a tree what kind of fruit tree it is by the fruit it bears. So it is with the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a Spirit-led believer. The fruit or the marks we will be talking about this morning are the observable demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's leading in the life of believers. We can see these fruits. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. And he was telling his disciples what's happening. He's telling them about false teachers in the world. Here's what he said. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good, uh, good fruit. Excuse me. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So let's take a look here for the next little bit about marks of a spirit-led believer to see what, what they look like. What is a spirit-led believer, what does their life look like? Well, the first thing we want to talk about is holy living. Holy living. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, he said, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay, now we see from Scripture right here that holiness is an expectation from a holy God. In 2018. Thank you. I got one amen. Sometimes I'll just wait. See, we've gotten this thing watered down. And it's happened in the pulpit. We want to we live as close to the world and be just as much like the world as we think we can get away with. Therefore, we've not had an effect, an effect on our world. They've had an effect on us. You know, a lot of people shy away from this word holy because they don't know what the word means. There's many misconceptions. I just want to share a, just a, maybe just three. Three things that a, a holy life is not. The first is a holy life is not separate yourself from humanity life. A holy life is not to separate yourself from other humanity we as Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And when I was raised, we uh, asked as kids, uh, my brother and sister and I asked if we could go bowling. And the answer was no. There's drinking and cigarette smoking and sinful people in the bowling alley. So we never got to go bowling. Now, I survived that, okay, but you, the message is, <laughs> that's where Jesus would be. I don't know if he bowled, but I can tell you he'd hang out with some who did. You see, we as Christians, we want to separate ourselves. No, we are not to separate ourselves physically from other people. Rather, we are to build bridges. Bridges to other people so that we can influence them and share the love of Christ with them. If we never spend any time with people who are lost, we're never going to have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. That's what we're here for. 
We're here to get encouraged and get strengthened and get discipled so we can get out there and rescue some people. There's a lot of people all around us drowning every day. So, the first thing that a holy life is not, is not a separate yourself from humanity life. The second thing is a holy life is not as good as I can life. Uh, As good as I can be life. See, many people have this attitude, and we talked about this early on in the series. Well, I'm just doing the best I can. Your best is not good enough, nor will it ever be good enough. In fact, Jesus cleared that up for us. He said, folks, your righteousness is as filthy rags. That's pretty clear. The best I got is as filthy rags. So, holy life is, is not possible by trying on our own. It just won't work. See, that's where religion comes in. I'm going to try to follow and be religious and keep all these rules and all these don'ts and all these do's, and they are so unsatisfying because we can't. And then we fail because we're trying to do the best we can. The Bible's clear on this. In fact, it starts at salvation. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, For by grace you've been saved through faith. Stop there just for a minute. There's two parts to salvation. God gives us his grace and we accept it through faith. Okay, you with me? Because you can't know God, you can't please God without faith. But that verse doesn't stop there. Okay? Where is it? Here it is. And this is not your own doing. What is not your own doing? The faith. It's a gift from God, not results of works, so that none of us can boast. We all meet him at the same place the same way. By his grace, he extends an invitation to us. By the faith that he gives us to believe he's real and trust him, we accept. Amen? So the Holy Spirit imparts holiness to you and me. We cannot become holy through our own natural efforts. Some people are better people, better behaved people, I should say. Good moral people, but... They cannot live a sinless life and have victory in their life without the Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of his Holy Spirit. The third thing a holy life is not, it's it's not a sinless life. See, we think of God as holy. Well, he's perfect and he's sinless. But see, God knows that we are humans and Jesus Christ knows it even better, if I could say, because he's experienced it. Okay, so he knows we're human and that sin is part of our human condition. He's known it before he ever created us. And he went ahead anyhow. Talk about grace. We all make mistakes, errors in judgment, bad choices. And any person who says that he or she does not sin is only fooling himself. You're not fooling anybody around you, nor are you fooling God. Here's what John the Apostle writes in 1 John 1.8. He said, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Holiness comes when you and I 
ask for forgiveness. And we're washed. We're put back in right standing. Our relationship is a, becomes back in right standing. That's why I apologize when I'm in an argument with my wife. It's not always because I think I'm wrong. I want our relationship to be right. I've been asked many times, why does a Christian need to confess our sins if all of our sins were forgiven upon salvation? Well, the sins were removed from us with regards to the penalty of sin. So when we confess our sins, what we're doing is saying, God, you were right. I was wrong. He knows it. He wants to know if we know it. It's called repentance. Repentance. Salvation cannot happen without repentance. And sanctification cannot happen without repentance. And that word sanctified is a process that we're going through as believers. Once we get saved, it starts. And the Holy Spirit comes into us, and he's the one that's going to take us. Moment by moment, day by day, year by year, and he's going to help bring about the godly change that we need in our life. And he's going to give us, help us to do that by giving us counsel, giving us peace, giving us support, giving us wisdom, and giving us power. And so he, he's going to come in and he's going to work in us. Now, holiness only comes when we ask for forgiveness. See, 1 John 1, 9, my favorite verse in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I got to tell you what, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of skeletons in my closet for a long time. And when I gave my heart to Jesus... He washed them away. He gave me salvation and took my sin. Best deal of my life. And he continues to work. Paul, you still got some skeletons in that back room. I've said this before, and to me it's a mental picture that works. If you ever come to visit Jerry and I, come in the front door because that's always clean. That first area right there, decorated nice, it stays clean because we don't use it. And so often as as new believers, we invite Christ into the foyer of our life. But now I'm going to tell you what, and I'm going to tell on Jerry, don't you go in her craft room without permission. Because it can be a work in progress. That's all I'm going to say. Okay? It's a work in progress. And sometimes um, the bathroom, well, we we got one for visitors, and then we got a couple others. You know what I'm saying? So what happens to us, the mental picture is, Jesus, I want you to come into the foyer of my life, but I don't want you in that back room where I've got pain. Or I've got a hidden sin. He's not going to leave you alone. He's in the house. He's in the house. And he wants to be in your whole home. He wants to be part of all your rooms. And he wants to help you clean them up. He wants to help bring healing in that room full of pain. And where people have mistreated you. Sometimes in the name of Jesus they've mistreated you. And he brings healing. All we got to do is ask him. Ask him. Holiness comes when we ask for forgiveness. When the Holy Spirit, you know what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? One of the things, he convicts us of sin quickly and decisively. I'm convinced that as a Christian, in fact, even as as an unbeliever, a lot of times it's not that we don't know what's right and wrong, it's whether or not we're going to choose to do right or wrong. But in in the life of a believer, you cannot... If you're, unless you've totally tuned out the Holy Spirit, you cannot tell me, I didn't know that was wrong. Because the Holy Spirit of God, who knows everything, is living in you. Be sure he would tell you. There's all just that one question. 
with what I'm about to do, what movie I'm about to see, what program I'm about to watch, the language I'm about to share. Could I do that with my Jesus sitting next to me? Would he join me? Well, that clears a lot of gray area up there. It really does. The Holy Spirit gives us the want to desire. Most things start with attitude. Amen? Okay? And so he gives us the want to desire, not the have to. I'm here this morning because I have to be. I'm here this morning because I want to be. Well, you're here because you're the preacher. Well, I can show up and have a bad attitude. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) It's common amongst the species. I'm here, all right? I'm here. But you know what? There's been mornings that I've come to church and I'm thinking, I am here because of the pastor. I'm a pastor. And there's a sermon. But I tell you what, I've never left that way. Never. I remember one time I was sitting in the back row of the choir in a church in Portsmouth, Virginia. It was a very large building. And this church had dwindled down. This building sat 1,500 people. About 140, 150 in worship. And a little pastor, Pastor Hundrup, probably in his mid-70s, a little hunchback, had a beautiful gray wig if I ever saw one. And I was sitting on the back seat, the back row of the choir, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And the Holy Spirit so lovingly said, I'm here. He gives us the want to, not the have to. If you're trying to serve Jesus because you have to, you, Paul said you're going to be more miserable than anybody. All right. Well, that's the first mark. Holy living. Could preach on that for a couple more weeks, but we'll move along. The second mark of a spirit-led believer is radiating joyful exuberance for the things of God. Every once in a while, uh, I'll hear Pastor Tony go, woo That's a little sample of exuberance, joyful exuberance for the things of God. Paul writes this in Ephesians 5. He said, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there's times we're not going to be happy, but there should never be a time we don't have joy. Joy. Joy comes from the Lord. Happiness comes from happenings. The person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is going to be a person of generous, joyful, and overflowing praise and thanksgiving. Listen, we got Thanksgiving coming up. I hope we don't wait till Thursday to praise Him. The Spirit-led person cannot help but be overflowing with praise and joy. I spent a lot of years growing up on a farm, and I love to watch young farm animals, little calves, and especially little colts. Man, when they're feeling their oats, you can tell it. Man, they're just bouncing around and jumping, and, and they just feel good all under. Well, we have that privilege of doing that as, as children of God. There should be joy in our life, and if there's not, it's time for a tune-up. Well, I got saved, and I'm just going to try to be holy till Jesus comes. And you look out sometimes, not in this congregation, of course, but you look out sometimes in a congregation, it looks like they're sucking on a, a lemon, man. Just come, Lord Jesus, I'm so miserable here. 
Jesus said, I'm going to give you a life and more abundant life. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to have his joy or his victory or his power. Thanksgiving, listen, Thanksgiving always, always takes the place of selfishness. It's one or the other. And the minute we start feeling sorry for ourselves, we stop thinking. Has God blessed you this morning? You bet he has. We're so much better off than we deserve. I'll just leave it at that. Another mark of the spirit-led believer is willingness to submit to one another. The spirit-led person is so full of God's love that he is willing to submit to others rather than demand his or her own way. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The only reason that you and I have trouble submitting to other brothers and sisters in Christ is a thing called pride. Good, I got, you, you're hearing me, aren't we? Yeah, I can do it myself. I'm gifted. Well, listen, I was talking to one of my brothers the other day. He's a lot like me. We have trouble letting people minute. In fact, it was my brother. Um, and we're talking about how we, we like to give, we like to supply, we like to support. Because it's just, and that's not a bad thing. But listen, we're all gifted differently. I've got a couple of gifts, you've got a couple of different gifts. And I need your gifts to minister to me. So I need to accept and submit to you that God can use you to build me and make a better man out of me. I got a young lady that's come into my life. It's making a big difference in my life. She's praying for me. She's challenging me. And I thank God for her. We're all gifted differently. So let's bless each other and let's let each other bless each other. I've heard it put this way if you don't let me bless you, you're robbing me of a blessing. And so we, we just need to, to, to allow other people. Well, they, I don't know that they'll do it as good as I can. Oh, there you go with that. So what? Thank you. So get over yourself, Paul. He or she is going to do whatever they can. This, this person, I got ahead of myself. We should submit to one another, allowing for the spirit to work amongst us, to us. And through us. It's a two-way ministering thing. Okay, another mark of a spirit-led believer. I've been preaching long the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to get through so we can get lunch, you know. No. Another mark of a spirit-led believer is passion. Passion for soul winning and encouraging others. That's our two main targets. Our brothers and sisters in Christ and a lost world. So the person who's filled with his spirit is going to be an active, eager witness for Jesus Christ. But I don't have the gift of evangelism. You have the command to evangelize. It may be your own way. And it may be by just living your lifestyle in a loving manner, doing your job honorably. There's no better, or there's no worse witness than some Christian that runs around with a rag in one pocket and a paintbrush in the other, and they're always at the drinking fountain witnessing for Jesus, and they're not doing their job. You see what I'm saying? We become so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. Now, the best testimony you and I can do is to do the very best job we can. 
That's a witness in itself. That will open doors often. And do it with joy. And it's good to be able to get out of bed in the morning and be physically able to go to work and provide for your family. There's many that can't. And what we call that here at Four Corners, moving people toward Christ. Amen? So I got... I just loaded up on a bunch of questions. I just wanted the rest of this sermon to be kind of self-evaluating some thought. So ask yourself some of these questions with me as we go. Do I have great joy in my life? Don't, you don't need to answer it out loud. You don't need to answer it at all, but it might help you to evaluate this. These are yes and no, by the way. Am I eager to get up every morning to see what God has in store for me? Or I go, oh. It's Monday. Am I quick to voice my praise to God and to thank him for all that he's done or is doing or has promised to do for me? By the way, he's promised to never leave you, ever forsake you. That one will ride all day long. Do I live in eager expectation of what God is going to do? God never slumbers. He never sleeps. God is always at work in the world. And he's always working for good. So do I, do I, do I live in eager expectation? What's, what's happening today, Lord? What, what are we doing today? I want to be on mission with you. Can't wait to see what you're up to. Because he's been up all night. Am I willing to submit myself to others or do I cling to what I want, when I want, and how I want? How about this one? Am I willing to trust God to work through others to accomplish his perfecting work in me? See, the Holy Spirit is capable of doing anything, but he chooses to gift us so that we can help each other. Am I willing to submit my will to his will? Wow. That could mean some real change. That could mean my plan's going right out the window. But all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to whose purpose? His, not ours, his. Am I, am I doing all that I can to see others come to Christ? Am I using my spiritual gifts? There are many of you that are. Man, what a blessing you are. See, if your answer is no, listen, if your answer is no to any of these questions, don't question whether or not you have been filled with the Spirit. Rather, ask the Spirit to do more of His work in you so that your answers might be yes to all of these challenging questions. Listen, I don't know how you answer these questions, but I know I have some no's where there should be yeses. And only the blessed Holy Spirit, when I yield to him, will make that difference for me. Folks, it's all about what the Holy Spirit can do in and through us, and it's always been about what the Spirit can do. In the Old Testament, he would come upon uh, men and women, and they would do mighty acts. At the day of Pentecost, he came in to dwell 
It's always been about him. Paul the Apostle wrote this in Philippians. I can do all things. Yeah. I can almost see Paul going, yeah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And boy, he had been put to the test. There's a couple times he was out at sea and was shipwrecked. How long can you tread water? As long as I need to, Lord, as long as you're with me. Bit by a viper, shook him off. John, the apostle, wrote these words of our Lord Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Amen? Those of you who have never heard this, when you get saved, your spirit gets redeemed. The flesh stays as ugly as it's ever been. Or as cute. Or as selfish. The flesh is not redeemed. That's where the battle goes on. So that's what Jesus is saying here. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. He said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. John chapter 14. He talks some more words of our Savior. But the helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will bring remembrance. If we will commit to remembering this, he will bring it back to us. He loves his word. He loves to hear his word. John chapter 16. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. This last one, I just couldn't resist it. It's from the Old Testament, Zechariah. The words it says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. By my spirit. So, what is God saying to you this morning? What has he been saying to you if you've heard these other sermons? Could it, could it be about your attitude? Is there something in your life that needs to go? Have you been struggling to live the Christian life on your own? check you and me brother and that'll wear you slap out and you won't see any miracles let me ask you this is he calling you to surrender your will to his will maybe he's calling you to serve in this body of believers to help build the kingdom for his glory listen the holy spirit is here. He's in you. If you're a believer, he's in you. And I, I want us to, and he wants us to get so attentive to his talking that we can hear him say the anything. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. I hear you. You love me? I know you love I love you too. Can you imagine? I mean, how it wouldn't be any crazier than watching all these people driving down the road talking into their phone pieces. You know, back a few years before we had cell phones, I used to talk with the Lord when I was driving. It's when I first got saved. Him and I were so close because I didn't have anybody else in my life. So we were close, and I'd be going down the road, just talking, singing. And I'm sure people would go by and go, what is wrong with that guy? Of course, I was doing about 85. 
down the turnpike, and that was before my foot got saved. But just to worship and to talk with him and walk with him. I love that old song, In the Garden Alone. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And those are sweet words. That's what he wants with us. Life gets so busy, and all these time-saving devices aren't saving us a lick of time. Because we get a little time, we fill it up with something else, eh? He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. In other words, that tells me I got to quiet down. I got to get all these other distractions out of my life so that I can hear him. And the the better I hear him and the more often I hear him, the more he's going to speak to me. Those of you that have been married, one couple right back here, Bob and Carolyn, 47 years. Bob can't ever remember not being married. That's a good thing. But Bob, if she comes on the phone and calls you, do you, does she have to tell you who she is? No, you recognize that voice just like that. That's the relationship that the Holy Spirit, we can have with him in our life. He's a personal God. What, listen, whatever he's speaking to you about, he will give you whatever you need to accomplish it and obey him. He never asks us to do anything that he won't provide a way for us to do it. In closing, nothing, nothing is too hard for God. I've said this before and I'll say it again because we get confused. Well, God, you take care of the big things and I'll take care of the little things. There are no big or little things for God. He can do anything. And he wants to be in our little things because I keep messing them up. There's nothing too hard for God. He not only wants to help you, but he can help you. But here's the catch. It's for the asking. We got to humble ourselves and say, you're right and I'm wrong and I'm going to listen to you. Those are beautiful words for a parent to hear from their child. So let's pray together. Father, I sense your spirit here. I I just, I love your spirit. And Lord, we just invite you to have your way in our hearts. Lord, we've been talking a lot about you. Holy Spirit, we've been trying to to make sure that we understand who you are and how important you are and how much you love us and, and, and that you are everything that God is because you are God. Father, I just pray that you'll break down some bonds, some barriers. That you'll heal, bring healing emotionally to your people here. Spiritually and physically. Scripture tells us, Jesus, by your stripes, we're healed. And that word healed there is a complete healing. Not just for our physical healing, but our emotional healing and our spiritual healing. By the stripes that you bore, you offer healing to us today. May we take that. May we ask, Holy Spirit. You say, well, I've never, I've never spoken to the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm, he's spoken to you. Just say, Holy Spirit, I love you and I'm submitting to you this morning. And in the days ahead, I give myself to you afresh. Every day, I want to wake up and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. And please use us. 
Please use us to help others. Thank you so much for this precious testimony. We just heard of a day that could have been just absolutely aggravating, turned out to be God sent. Thank you, Father. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.